you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Season with Peter Schrager. I'm Peter Schrager. I'm joined by Aaron Wong Kaufman, uh, my wonderful producer. We are now a week and change removed from the Super Bowl, and I'm just flipping the I'm flipping the page. Our guest is going to be Steve Spagnolo, who has won his fourth Super Bowl as a coordinator, which is an NFL record in the history of the sport. No coordinator has won four different Super Bowl titles. Uh, we're going to get Spags on in a bit. But before we do that, I wanted to look ahead to the combine because if you're clicking on play on this podcast, it's late in the week uh, during this President's Day week, which is kind of a dark period for the NFL. And then you might listen to the weekend and then guys, before you know it, Monday, everyone descends upon Indianapolis and we already are on to draft season. And to me, the combine is such a, I think the viewers at home and the fans at home see it one way, but those of us in the NFL see it a different way. There is an art and a science to it. The science part is the actual player workouts, which will rule the headlines and will rule the weekend coming up, um, spanning from Thursday to Sunday. And that's where you're going to get all your quarterbacks. You're going to get all your tight ends, all your defensive ends. You're going to get your freak show athletes, and you're going to have them doing the 40 and doing the, the pass-catching drills. And you're going to have your amazing moments where someone's going to break a record doing a high jump or a long jump. And that is the science to it. And if you talk to NFL teams, the drills really do matter. They're very, very significant. But so are the interviews, which is earlier in the week, which is unfilmed. Again, the science of it. This is stuff that you bring a player in, you get a feel for their intelligence, you get a feel for their vibe, you get a feel for what they can do on a board if you had to have them draw up a, a, a blitz or if you had to have them draw up what they would do if they're being blitz and they're the quarterback or the running back, how they would block it. They call it the train station and that's the beginning part where teams can just 
meet with players one by one and just kind of boom, 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 boom. Then you have your private interviews where players will walk in and you've probably seen the footage of it before where the most famous one is is either the DK Metcalf one where he walks in a room and it's all the the Seahawks guys and Pete Carroll eventually removes his shirt you know, to show DK Metcalf his physique. But that that is very important. That is for a 15-minute interview and the teams request certain players to come in and they have an opportunity to get in front of the coaches, in front of the GMs, and there could be a, a wide array of ways those interviews go. Sometimes the head coach won't say a word and it'll just be a position coach running point. Sometimes it's the GM running point. Sometimes they'll go around in a circle and it'll be rapid fire, uh, the questions. I also remember, I want to say, I specifically remember an Eagles interview with, I want to say it was Jalen Hurts and it was with Doug Peterson and that one was was leaked to the media and that one after the fact came out and was super informative on how on how Jalen Hurts handled his interview with them. Like it's it's so rare we actually see the footage of these. Usually they come out after the draft when a player is selected and that team will say, okay, well, this happened uh during that interview. That's all the science of it. All right. So I said art and science. The art of it is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's in the hallways, and it's in these giant corridors. And it's in these 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 wonderful restaurants in Indianapolis in a back room or at the bar. And it's basically a free-for-all where you're throwing NFL coaches and not just the head coaches, NFL position coaches, NFL coordinators, NFL support staff, you're putting the entire front office. And you've got a lot of downtime and you're putting them all together in Indianapolis, which is a city that has about 40 different restaurants and bars in a one mile radius. And you also throw in NFL media and you throw in NFL agents and you throw in NFL league executives. And suddenly it becomes the biggest convention in NFL yearly calendar you're gonna have. And me personally, as a longtime NFL reporter and someone who really values boots on the ground, I found a way to get there for Monday and Tuesday, and it's important to be there Monday and Tuesday because a lot of conversations happen. And it's not gossip. It's not, this is where I fill my notebook. This is where I will tell you straight up who I'll meet with. Like, we're going to have spags on. I'm going to have dinner with Reed and Veach on Monday night. We're going to go to a steakhouse. That's the, the Chiefs coach and GM. We're going to do that Monday night. Monday night, there's a gentleman named Bob Lamont, who is an agent to all the, the top head coaches. He represents everybody from Doug Peterson to Andy Reid to Sean McVay. Uh, you go down the list, there are so many Lamont clients. He is a legend in his own right. Um, he was Mike Holmgren's agent way back when. Bob Lamont and his wife, uh, they have their own agency. They And he does a little private dinner Monday night, late night. And I usually am one of maybe two media people ever at the table. Um, it's it's a cool invite to get. I like to always hit that up. I'll make sure I get there. So what's the value of being at a dinner with 10 NFL head coaches? Well, there's drinks going, uh, there's steaks being eaten, there's jokes being had, and just reading between the lines, I could fill up a notebook on, okay, well, here's how this coach feels about this player, or here's what this coach feels about this league issue, or there's what here's what this... Uh, NFL GM 
here's who he was talking to. And I wonder why he was talking to that coach. Well, maybe because that coach is a player that might be a free agent. All right, Tuesday morning, I'll, I'll do good morning football. And then afterwards, I've got a day that I've already booked hour after hour after hour. So uh, I'll talk to Joe Shane, the general manager of the Giants. We've got that in the books. I've got Brendan Bean, general manager of the Bills. We've got that in the books. I'm sure I'll link up with somebody from the new Chargers brass. I've been texting with them, whether it be Joe Hortiz, their GM, or whether it be Jim Harbaugh or one of his many assistants that he's bringing with him. Guys that, honestly, I don't know. I don't know Jesse Minter. I don't know Marcus Brady. So if if I get an opportunity at the Combine to introduce myself in a casual setting, I can add their phone number. We could continue a dialogue, whether it be for information, whether it be any way that I can help, or whether it be them clarifying something I say on air. That's very helpful. So that's a goal of mine. I got to get in front of some of those Chargers guys. Uh, Tuesday night, I, I last year started this tradition. It's a dinner with Sean Payton. He came back to Denver last year. Mickey Loomis was at our table, who I'd never really gotten to know. We really hit it off. I'm hoping to do that again this year. And we'll solidify relationships and we'll solidify thoughts. And in this case, if I get Mickey Loomis, well, what are they doing? at quarterback for the future. We know Derek Carr's there, but what are they doing with that offense? What are they doing with all those frequencies? The Saints are in this weird crossroads. I'd love to fill my notebook a little bit, and this is where you do it. Furthermore, beyond the science of the workouts and the interviews, we go back to the art of this. There are 20 NFL coaches who are going to speak on the podium um, during those first few days. There are 26 general managers who are going to speak at the podium. There's a lot to be taken from those moments. And it's local beat reporters, but also national folks asking questions. And if you're talking about, we have a free agency period in three weeks that's coming up, and you also have the draft, you better believe there's stuff to be taken from there. I, I really do value the combine for that. I think the the art of it is what happens in the hallway. Like I, I'll, I'll do good morning football, and I think Tom Pelissero is going to join me on Monday on Tuesday and Wednesday. And we're going to do it from the conference center. And there's a walk from the conference center to the hotel. You can't walk two steps without bumping into a quarterback coach, an agent, an NFL uh, PR person. And those conversations are all used to help inform the next several months of what's going to be smokescreen season, but also information season. You, the listener, you're going to want to know what these teams are, are leaning towards. Like, I'm looking at the the coaches. 20 are are going to speak. That means 12 aren't. Here, here are the 12 that are not on the schedule. And you can shame them. You can tweet at them. You can find their PR team and try to convince them otherwise. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I've said it before. I, come to the combine. Don't be too cool for the combine. I, come to the combine and, and then speak at the combine. Mike McCarthy's not speaking. Brian Dable's not speaking. Matt LaFleur is not speaking. Kyle Shanahan's not speaking. Sean McVay's not speaking. Mike McDonald's not speaking. Dennis Allen's not speaking. Robert Sala's not speaking. Gerard Mayo is not speaking. Mike Tomlin is not speaking. Jim Harbaugh is not speaking. Antonio Pierce is not speaking. So I'm just looking at the schedule of who's going to be on those risers. And those are the 12 coaches who will not be speaking at the combine. That's their choice. I'm not trying to make news here. I doubt Sean McVay's at the Combine at all. He he and I used to have some rip-roaring nights at, 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 in Indianapolis at High Voltage, which was a bar that was in the JW Marriott, which was a fun spot. Um, but the last couple of years, he has not attended and that has not hurt their draft process at all. Robert Sala, I know Joe Douglas will be there. 
Salah didn't go last year. I don't know if once you say no and you skip Indy, it's usually rare you come back. And in a lot of cases, it's because the coaches rather have all their guys in the building back in their facility, just grinding on tape and working that way. And then all the workouts you get and all the interviews you can have taped. Um, I don't know if there's been a big study done on team success or draft success of teams that have sent their head coaches and sent their coaching staff to the combine and those who have not. But in recent years, it's been a trend that teams have not been sending as many people. I see Kyle Shanahan's not speaking. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan's going to the combine. Their season ended late. And yet, Andy Reid, we have a dinner date for Monday. Um, so he will be there. And their season ended late as well. Uh, art and a science. I, I think it's interesting. And hopefully, we'll get a pot. I'm thinking, Aaron, I'm thinking we'll do next Thursday when I'm back from the combine. And I can um, empty the notebook here on this uh, on this here podcast. Uh, viewer note, if you're a Good Morning Football viewer, we're on all Monday through Friday. Kyle's on vacation. Jamie Erdahl's on vacation. But it will be myself. It'll be Jason McCourty. And it'll be Colleen Wolf in studio in New York on Monday. I'm going to be in Indy for Tuesday, Wednesday. Like I said, just nonstop 48 hours. We'll not sleep. We'll do as much, you know, hanging, but also filling the notebook up as I can. And then I'm coming back to New York for Thursday, Friday shows in studio. Then I'm flying back to Indianapolis to be there for the drills where I'll be on the broadcast um, with Chris Rose up on the second concourse, uh, which means you've got Eisen and Charles Davis and you've got Daniel Jeremiah on the call. And then, hey, in, in pockets here, Schrager, what do you got? And I'll just give you all the good juice. And this is sentimental for me. Uh, last year, I'll never forget. It was the Friday night of the combine. I'd been there for five days. We were grinding. Uh, and it's when my wife uh, gave me a text Friday night. And I'll never forget. It was Will Levis uh, talk. It wasn't even Will Levis working out. But it was Will Levis talk about, of all time. And I've gone back and watched a clip. Of all topics, it was Will Levis. How will he perform um, in the NFL? Because when he lost... Liam Cohen, who was his offensive coordinator at Kentucky, his numbers went down. When Liam went to the Rams, Will Levis' numbers plummeted, did not have as good a season as he did the year before where he lit up the SEC. And then it was uh, me talking about, okay, well, what kind of offense will he fit in? He's obviously going to be a first-round pick. Da, 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 da. And my wife texts me and says, uh, you've got to get out of here. Um, you got to fly back home ASAP because uh, we're about to have our second child. So I had to bail on the combine early uh that was friday and then i immediately got out of there and uh took care of some family business and we've got our baby betty uh but i missed last year saturday and sunday because of things happening a little earlier than we anticipated but will levis i aaron i lobbied to name our child betty levis schrager and it, it did not it didn't it didn't win i thought that was a connection to football into indianapolis and to will levis sure enough not not betty high voltage Trigger. No, not Betty High Voltage, <laughs> not Betty St. Elmo's, um, <laughs> Betty Betty Levis Schrager, but Will win in the second round, you know, that, and here he is, starting quarterback, and basically Brian Callahan gets the head coaching job on the premise that he's going to get the most out of Will Levis. Spax is going to join us quickly. I just, real small, quick note, Adam Schefter had a tweet that was 
similar to a tweet that I had about two weeks ago. And it comes off of a, a really, you know, it's not one that's going to move the needle at all. But interestingly enough, um, USC running backs coach Keel McDonald, who I don't know at all. I texted Cliff. Cliff's like, he's the man. He's great. So he was a USC running backs coach under Cliff, who was under uh, Lincoln Riley at USC. Okay. He had a chance to be a college offensive coordinator and opted to not do that, not be a college OC, but instead to jump to the NFL and be the Chargers running backs coach. And Schefter's tweet, and I think Adam's really good at, at hearing things from people, but this, this is spot on. He says, a trend that has emerged this winter, many college coaches are tired of the transfer portal, the NIL money, and the new NCAA world, and just prefer to work in the NFL. Many college coaches have already left. Many more want to. I Guys, I can't stress this enough. It's a mass exodus from the college game as far as coaches go. They don't want to deal with this anymore. And two good examples, Jeff Halfley was the head coach at Boston College, making millions and millions of dollars. And BC is, a, is, a, is an ACC school, and they've got all this you know, history, and Tom O'Brien, and Tom Coughlin, and all this history, and Doug Flutie, and Glenn Foley, and all of that. Say flowers in recent years. Halfley left being a head coach to be a defensive coordinator of the Packers. That sounds like a down move going from head coach at a major college program to a DC in the NFL. He did that. Kingsbury, so many faulty reports out there and I was biting my tongue, but like, he's going to get the Houston job. He's going to get the Texas A&M job. Cliff, to anyone who knew him said, I will never be a head coach in college again. Never will do that. that that's hell to go do, you know, tr to recruit a high school kid nonstop with money, the NIL money, and then for the kid to commit and then for him to decommit or then to stay for a year, then have to beg him to stay. Like, that's not, no one wants, that's, that's not coaching football. That's, that's a whole other business. Cliff says no to all that and decides to, instead of being a college head coach, which he could have had several jobs, says, I'll just be an NFL offensive coordinator. I'm good with that. And we'll see what happens from there. Um, and in this case, you're getting Kiel McDonald, who could have been a college offensive coordinator. He coached at Utah and USC and worked with Zach Moss and, and, and other guys. You know, Before that, he was with Marshawn Lloyd, who's a top prospect in this year's draft. He says, no, I'm good. I'll be a, a, I don't need to be a college offensive coordinator and work up those ranks. I'll instead go there. And the last one was Chip Kelly, who I think made it very clear he was a head coach at at UCLA, he's still a head coach at UCLA, and he's like, all right, does anyone want me as an OC in the NFL? Made it very clear that he was interested, having uh, had his name tied to many teams throughout this process. So just an interesting thing to watch. One of the fallouts, yes, we all want the players to be taken care of, and we all want NIL, and we all want all, all, all these guys to get as much as they can. But from the coaching side, yeah, for years, for 20 years, we've said these college coaches have had a have had a great sweet gig in that they can leave whenever and no one bats an eye and everyone just gets paid and it's money, 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 money. Yeah, I think a lot of these coaches are like, at the end of the day, I'd like to coach football and I don't want to deal with the money, 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 money. And it's amazing that the NCAA and amateur sports is becoming that while in the NFL, it's just, all right, coach ball, do X's and O's, do it while you got into this thing. Speaking of coaching ball and X's and O's, I could not be more excited for our next guest. He is a four-time Super Bowl champion as a coordinator, and he is a gem of a human being. Steve Spagnuolo joins us next. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. You know, hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's my great honor and a uh, pleasure for a guy I've gotten to know really well over the last few years. He's one of the most successful coaches in NFL history, and he is a Super Bowl champion yet again. Uh, what a thrill for us here. About 10 days removed from his fourth Super Bowl title, Steve Spagnuolo, welcome to the season with Peter Schrager. <laughs> Love it, Pete. It's an honor to be on this show. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Look, I'm looking yeah. at it. I Googled I Googled something because I'm so tech savvy. Which coordinators have won the most Super Bowl titles? And what comes up is this. The defensive coordinator who has won the most Super Bowl titles is Steve Spagnuolo, who now holds the record for any D.C. in NFL history with four. Washington's Richie Pettibon, Pettibone, 1982, 87, 91, and Romeo Cornell, 01-03-04, each have three. But Spagnuolo has four. When you hear that, what is your reaction? Well, first of all, I know those two coaches I got a lot of respect for. I, so I did an internship, Pete, way back in, I want to say it was the fall of 82 or 83 years after the Redskins, uh, when they were the Washington Redskins. Yeah. When their first Super Bowl, Richie Pettibone was the D coordinator. I got to know. I love this. Coach, how about that? How about I love that? This. And then fast forward, whatever that is, 30 something years. And, uh, uh, it's quite an honor. Very humbling. Listen, I think every coach would tell you, Pete, that, when a coach gets an award, it's not a it's not an individual award. I mean, you can't get coaching awards for winning or being successful on one unit without a bunch of players and a bunch of assistant coaches. So to me, it's just a um, it's a reflection of all the good people I've worked with. Yeah. And the honor to be lone guy in history, it's for any coordinator, too, because no offensive coordinator is one for you're the lone four time Super Bowl champion as a coordinator. Each different season tells a story. Right. So you have. Yeah. The 07 Giants, which you beat mm-hmm. the Patriots, and then you've had these three with the Chiefs. What's 10 days removed? What's the what's the story of this group? And what's the the feeling you have removed? The takeaway of like what you'll look back on or what you do in the in the in the, in the near history or the recent history of, of what really stands out from this unit. Yeah. I I'll tell you what, uh what stands out, I've said this a lot, uh, Pete, is the 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 tremendous uh 
culmination of high IQ players. I mean, I've, I've worked with some real high IQ football players. I mean, you guys know Antonio Pierce is the head coach in the league now. You guys, I don't know if you'll be, um, I mean, you remember the Jeremiah Trotter, James Laronitis that I had. I'm thinking about all these linebackers that we worked with that were really, really smart. But the the Sam Madisons, you know, the the Kavika Mitchells, the guys that we had in New York. But as a as a group, as a unit, as a number, this was the highest total of high IQ players. Combine that with high character guys, really good assistant coaches. That's what sticks out. Like we were able, Pete, quite honestly, to be multiple. Because we had guys like Nick Bolton and, you know, guys like LJ Sneed and, you know, guys up front like Mike Dana, you know, Turk. I mean, guys that they just get football. Um, they love embracing football. Drew Tranquil, you know, mm. all these guys that we had at linebacker, Leo Chanel, they just eat, drink and sleep at Pete. And when you have that and then you throw in a bunch of good assistant coaches, I mean, it made for a really good recipe. This is the craziest stat that didn't get enough love. The Chiefs were the youngest defense in the league this year. And you're talking about, you're naming guys like like LJ Sneed. And of course, you know, Dana's, I think, in his fifth year in the league. But yeah. Trenton McDuffie stepped up. Willie Gay yeah. was awesome when you guys needed him. There's so yeah. much youth on this roster. And yet all those guys, the mental errors were not there. They were Johnny on the spot every time they had to be. Yeah, you know, Pete, it's funny. I think this time last year when you and I talked a little bit after the game, I mean, we were pretty young last year with, I mean, th uh, that secondary was specifically young with three true rookies and Trent, Josh, and Jalen. Um, but you're right. The the other guys that feel like they're veterans now have only been two or three years in the league. And so, but I, I tell you what, Pete, I've said this before. When So when you make that statement or or we talk about that, you can't help but credit the assistant coaches for that because one person can't do it. A coordinator can't do it. And players need to be fed all of this information. They need to embrace it, but it needs to be fed in a way that they understand it, they get it, and they can play fast. And I, I got a great staff. I don't know how, if you get a chance to get to know those guys, Pete. But Shout them out because it's Merritt, it's Cullen. Who yeah. got Shout them out. Yeah, Dave Merritt, Brendan Daly, Joe Cullen, uh, Terry Braden, Rod Wilson. Uh, Alex Whittingham, Donald Delasio. I don't think I've missed anybody, but it's a great group. I'll tell you the other thing. So when you are blessed to go as far in the playoffs as we have for these past five years, the downside is all of these guys who should be coordinators or should be moving up in the league. It's hard to do, Pete, right? Because the jobs are all washed up by the time you get done in February 11th. And now, listen, it's a blessing to, to win Super Bowls and all that. And I don't think any of these guys are going to give their no. rings back for a job. But, but I mean, it's really – so I just don't think they get enough credit, Pete. And I just want to make sure that we always recognize what they, what they mean in the middle of this whole thing. I don't know if you get enough credit. I thought I don't know if you saw, and I know you're not living on Twitter. You're, you're one of the fortunate yeah. ones. Um, I made a big case how absurd it was that you weren't being mentioned for head coaching jobs, and you're probably blushing, like, don't even go there. Kevin Demoff yeah. comes out of the cobwebs. I don't even know where he, and he goes on a 10 tweet. So did you see any of this? <laughs> well, somebody sent it to me, and I'll tell you what, I'm, I, uh, and I did uh, text Kevin back. Let me give the context Oof. first for the listeners. Okay. Demoff was in St. Louis where you were the head coach for three years, and Kevin listed about 15 reasons why you had no chance to actually have great success because of the ownership change, because of things that were done before you got there, because of just the climate of what was going on in St. Louis and the money and all this stuff. And Kevin wore it and was like, 
let me be the first to tell you Spags would be an incredible head coach and should have been. He didn't have the resources or the opportunity that others had to really have success. And I thought that was pretty cool to get that from a guy who, for being honest, they fired you. And yet he's coming back yeah. 10 years later and is like, no, 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 no. That was not on, that was not on Steve. Yeah. I, well, it was, listen, it was really nice of Kevin to say, I've always had a lot of respect for him. I think he's a real intelligent guy in this business. And listen, it was a challenge. I'd do it again, Pete, because the lessons you learn, you and I both know this, right? The lessons you learn from failure usually are, are more valuable than the ones you, you, that you learn from success. And so I think there was some valuable lessons. There were some tremendous relationships pulled from there. And there's some things that we're really proud of. I mean, the overall record wasn't great, but I really enjoyed our 2010 season. We went from the 20, uh, 2009, uh, where we were one in 15. And we drafted Sam Bradford, who mm-hmm. I thought was really, really good. He was exceptional. He was the offensive rookie of the year in 2010. You know, we were one game last game of the season. We, if we win, we're in the playoffs. So that that we're proud of, and then it kind of fell apart in 2011. And listen, we all get this business, and it's about winning. And it we didn't win enough games, so it happens. But nice, Kevin, to say uh, that's all in the past. Now, listen, I'm I'm blessed to have the things happen after that. And you know, God puts us on these these trails and these journeys for a reason, Pete. And all of it's been very valuable for me. Yeah, uh, obviously, your career it, it is so decorated with different players. You were mentioning the Jeremiah Trotters yeah. and the Kavika Mitchells, but also legendary coaches. Um, you you and I texted when you guys head o- headed over to Germany. You're like, you know, I used to coach in the World League. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are, and I'm going back and I'm coaching in Germany. And this is 30 years ago. Uh, take us through some of your mentors coaching-wise who really gave you yeah. opportunities to elevate your career and move in this amazing path and have this journey to win four titles as a defensive coordinator. No, a great question, Pete. I'm glad you asked it. And I love talking about it. Well, if, if I go, if I move backwards, I mean, how blessed am I to work with what, what I consider two Hall of Fame NFL coaches and Andy Reid and Tom Coughlin. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in a close friend of mine, John Harbaugh, I spent two years in Baltimore with, which was, there was some growth. There. You know, listen, you know, when your peers, when you get to watch your peers do it and, and you know exactly what he's thinking and doing and you're able to pick apart his brain, I, that was two valuable years. But, you know, and then I go all the way back to to college where I don't know if you remember this thing, Pete, but Jack McNell was the head coach of the Boston College Eagles when when Doug Flutie was the quarterback there and had that miracle down there in Miami. But I worked for Jack in in one of those years in NFL Europe. Uh, and you know, Dick Curl was the head coach of the Franklin yep. Galaxy to what yep. you were talking about. And, uh, Dick was, um, nice enough to hire me as he, his defensive coordinator. But, you know, as much as the head coach, Bill Russo, I worked for Tom Jackson in Connecticut. I mean, the list goes on and on. Tim Murphy, who just, uh, retired at Harvard. He's the Harvard head coach. He was head coach at Maine at one time. And I worked for him for a brief period, but you know, as much as the head coaches, Pete, you know, we learn and grow from the guys we work with uh, as assistant coaches across the board. And I, I love that part of it. I mean, one of the things John Harbour and I used to do when we were back in Philadelphia, we were together for eight years, both assistants. He was a special teams coordinator, and I, I either had the secondary linebackers, whatever year it was. But we would we would evaluate each other, Pete. Mm. So he would spend a day. You know, as a special teams coach, he could watch all the other coaches. I'd say, John, just watch me for a day and then just give me feedback of things that I need to work on. And then I would do the same for him. I'd go out, watch a special teams practice. And then we used to bounce those things off of each other all the time. And so I think when you do that, the growth is just 
greater than just what you might get from a clinic or from uh, working from a head coach. But just the relationships to me are what, what I tra- cherish. And of course, the late, great Jim Johnson had yes. such an impact. Talk about who Huge he impact. was and what, and what he yeah. brought to the, to the game. Listen, I don't think uh, any of us, and, and you know the list, Pete, of the guys that worked for Jim, myself, Ron Rivera, Leslie Fraser, Sean McDermott, John, John Harbaugh, the, the list goes on and on, right? And the influence he had on all of us from a defensive perspective, he was, uh, Pete, we were at the Combine one time, and I remember, uh, so I'm, I don't know, I'm early 40s, and, you know, Jim's into his mid-60s, and he's kind of at the end of his career, but he's doing great, you know, we're we're kicking butt in Philadelphia defensively. And one of his buddies, who's probably the same age, comes up to him and says, hey, Jim, I see you finally got your retirement defense in. And so we didn't really know what he was talking about. So we asked him, he goes, well, Jim's wanted to do all these exotic, crazy defenses. <laughs> and now he doesn't because he figures if they don't, they don't work, he's retiring anyway. Right. I thought that was the greatest line in the world. That's because, hilarious. Yeah, because one of the things Jim d- did do, and you know from watching, was he would take. He would take some real oh. chances at what we did and overloaded. Brian and Dawkins still, lining up on oh, the defensive yeah. line, yeah. like crazy yeah. stuff. It's not as much of a chance when you got Brian Dawkins yeah. doing it. But but I tell you what, there were things we did that were a little unconventional. Um, and we still do them today. I mean, we don't, yeah, we'll, offense, offensive coaches are pretty smart now, so they'll hurt you if you get too crazy. But um, because of his influence is where I'm going, I think a lot of us have things that we wouldn't have had had we not worked with Jim. Giants era, you go there, 2007, obviously you guys have all this incredible playoff front. Talk about that defensive front and working with yeah. Tuck and OC and, and Strahan and of course, Jay Alford and Dave Tollefson. And, and I love <laughs> I love that 07 Giants defense. And if you can give us a little color on preparing for that offense, which at the time was the greatest offense the NFL had ever seen, yeah. and having those 10 days to, to build some sort of defensive game plan. I remember Pete... Um... <clears throat> In the lead up to the game, you know, looking at as you watch the tape and Tom Brady and the weapons they had, Randy Moss, all of them. Um, I remember saying, "Oh my God, if we could just hold them under 35, you know, maybe <laughs> we got a maybe we got a chance." I mean, if we don't, we got no chance. But I mean, that's how dynamic they were. But uh, you led this thing with with those nades up front, and certainly any defense has to start up front. So. But I will say this: I'm going to go back to Antonio Pierce. He was yeah. the glue in the middle. Mm. that really kept it all together. Like he could, he could, that's why he's such a good head coach. Now he could connect all the rooms because he can speak the language of the DBs and the linebackers and the D line. He can go over to the offensive guys and he can, I mean, he can rile things up and he knows how to get people. And that's why he's so good at what he's doing now. I knew, I told his dad five years ago when he got in the league as an assistant, I said, he'll be head coach in five years. He said he that to his dad. By, I love yeah, that. Yeah. He beat, he beat it by two years. Cause that, that's Antonio. But do you remember the, he was, an NFC championship game? He has a hit on, on either Ryan Grant or Brandon Jackson, and it's up in Green Bay, and Antonio Pierce saves a touchdown on a third and long on a little yeah. screen pass. It's one of the greatest defensive plays the Giants have ever had. Pete, great memory. He he warded off two. There was nobody there if he gets blocked by uh, Green Bay's offensive lineman. I mean, he would have been in the in the end zone. It's a huge play. I mean, it was that might have been Pete. It might have been one of those risky calls that you say, "Hey, I'm gonna take a <laughs> shot here." He's on an island. <laughs> and, 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 and Antonio saved us. But but then you go back on the back end there, Pete, you know, Sam Madison, who's coaching mm-hmm. now down with the Miami Dolphins. He was a corner. Corey Webster, James Butler, um, uh, Jabrell Wilson. I mean, we had a bunch of guys that 
just you know not household names yeah. not superstars you know but they it was just another group that played like that high iq uh it was a little rough early in the year but because they all stuck with it and they believed in it and they believed in each other it got better and better and better and then in that game i mean the biggest thing in that game for us pete was we didn't allow I don't think we allowed a pass completion over 20 yards. In other words, we didn't allow the explosive pass mm-hmm. play, which is the same thing that happened in this past one. And I think when you do that, you know, and you can make a play here or there, you can keep the, the point total down. And, you know, we certainly did it in that game and obviously in this past one too. You've coached in all these Super Bowls. Yes, you've won four, but there's other games that you've coached in. There's The Super Bowl week, I thought Mahomes had such a subtle mm-hmm. little comment that didn't get enough pickup. And I, I went big on it on Good Morning Football. He said, yeah, and I'm doing my Pat voice. Yeah, you know, it's we're just gonna. I'm just gonna do what I always do this week. I'm gonna stick to my routine. And I said, what a subtle flex that he has a Super Bowl yeah. week routine. Like so many players yeah. just just desire to get to one, and he's got a Super Bowl week routine that he does. You must have it too. When do you start cracking open the books on a Niners offense? Does that start the second you get home after you guys, you know, beat the Ravens on Sunday, or do you take a couple days and then? You know, you're a mastermind and you're going to be humble yeah, about it. But when do you start employing, like, here's how we stop this team? Well, it, it does happen that Monday. Like, we did not do very much with the previous games. So we um, we win the we went in Baltimore, right? We have the, I'll tell you what was different, Pete, was we had a plane flight after an AFC championship. Yeah, usually home. Had, you're right. We had been home. So that was a little bit different. That was enjoyable. And Again, normally, subtle flex. No, it just kind of popped <laughs> in my head. But, you know, normally on the plane after a game, I would watch the game that we just played on the iPad. I didn't do that. I just I just figured that was time. Let's just enjoy this. But uh, the minute we got out Monday morning, it was right into San Francisco. Uh, and the way Andy does things is we we kind of keep a normal week for that first week, Pete. Uh, the only thing that's different is getting ready with tickets and all that. But mm-hmm. but he pushed it back one day. So. When we finally got to Wednesday during that week, it was an NFL Tuesday, and then Thursday was an NFL Wednesday, and we got on a normal flow. So that by the time we got on the plane on on Sunday, really 80, 85 percent of the work is done. Now there's some tweaking, and that's where coaches can get themselves in trouble. Yeah, they can overthink it. Right? Another week, yeah, yeah. and that, that that goes on too. And I, I always tell. I told the defensive staff, make sure you put a put some reins in on me because mm-hmm. if I walk in here and say, hey, we need to put this in, you know, give me the whoa, 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 we might not need to do that. And uh, so that's a challenge. That that second week is a challenge for a lot of reasons, you know, keeping the guys focused, which our guys do a great job of um, making sure you're not putting too much in because you have the extra week looking at too much film. I have to stop myself from watching film at one point. Are you one of those film junkies? I I don't know that about who's what. Like, I know I talk to McVeigh a lot and he'll be up at four in the morning looking at like 1998 film. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I listen, I don't, every once in a while you go back and you have, Oh, I got to go back and look at such and such. That's where you drive the video people crazy, right? Hey, can you get me the, you get me the Philadelphia Eagles 2001, whatever. Um, and then they got to go digging for it. Uh, but yeah, I think we're all built like that, Pete, because that's where it begins, right? That's where your ideas are formulated. That's where you can. And this is, listen, this is a beg, borrow, and steal defense. I, I mean, uh, beg, uh, borrow, uh, and steal. No, I love that. No, beg, borrow, and steal profession. We all do that. Like you'll see a, you'll see an idea. Oh, what did they do? 
and you might tweak it a little bit, but you're stealing it from somebody, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. There's, nobody's got an original idea anymore. Um, but that's what the beauty of this game is. It goes in cycles, right? I mean, we're seeing some running football coming back now after yep. years and years of all the spread and throwing it all over the place. And, uh, and you just try to stay ahead of the cycle. But I think we all enjoy, if you don't enjoy grinding tape, then you're probably not in the right business. I said the biggest X factor is going to be Spags versus Kyle Shanahan. And I, they had their big plays. Like McCaffrey got his, you know, at points. Yeah. But you guys, it was Ben, but don't break for the most part for you guys. Yeah. Uh, the challenge of preparing for that offense. What was that like going yeah. into this thing? Well, not only do they have all those weapons like you and I know, but I mean, Kyle, Kyle is really good. Um, he makes everything look the same. You know, that kind of goes all the way back to his dad. I've always thought that that was a hard offense to to defend. And with all those weapons, it was just one of those games where you couldn't say, okay, okay, we just need to take that away. Because the minute you did that, he had so many other places to go. And, and Kyle figures that out. But it did begin with the running back. I mean, we couldn't let Christian McCaffrey. And he got, you know, he he poked away at a couple of runs yeah. and, you know, and had a pass completion that um, we just couldn't get there in time. Mike Edwards almost made the tackle, but then he spit out because he's does so that, good. Does that high step that, that run that yeah, he does? Yeah, it's like he, he just the kind of the delay, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I've seen you do that before. Yeah, that's me that in the streets yourself. of New York. That's me yeah. running from the cops. <laughs> but I mean, with that offense, I mean, that's why they were so, so good all year long. It's just, But I will say this, our, what really helped us was LJ, Trent, whether Josh or Jalen was in there because we did have to switch in the middle of that game to play a little bit more man. I, I didn't, just didn't think our zone coverage was was tight enough and had a couple of completions there, those in-breaking routes that they always get. I thought our linebackers could get deep enough and our, our quarter safeties would be there, but they're just so good. They And I think Brock Purdy, uh, I think he's terrific. And I'll tell you, you watched, Pete, I, just, I mean, you watched all the games. And, yeah, you know, I, there's guys on TV, me included, who poke holes in Purdy's. No. But I, you got I, to watch the whole. Find, yeah, I didn't find many. I, I tell you, the other thing that, that stuck out was in those, you know, he, so we played Tua. We played uh, Josh Allen. Josh we played Lamar Jackson. And you've got to worry about those guys always running the football. So we get, now it's going to be San Francisco. We haven't watched a lot of film with them, so I don't really know them. Okay, it's a backup quarterback. Okay, maybe he's not a runner. Maybe we Maybe we get a little break here. I turned the film on, and then he's ripping Green Bay and Detroit with a couple of, you know, the run plays. Oh, that the were third really down critical. against Detroit I was know insane. It. Yeah. And I, I said, okay, here we go. We got another one. I, I will, I'll tell, I'll be honest with you. I just texted Brock the other day. I tried to track down his cell number. I just wanted to tell him how much respect I have for him. And Hell what yeah. A terrific, Dude, I love What a this. terrific game he played. I mean, and I, he's, a, he's such a quality guy, strong Christian man. And I respect all of that, and I'm, I'm happy for all his success. I'm glad he didn't have quite, quite totally. a real good game. And, uh, but, but let's I, get I let's get to him. the big spot because it's third and four, and if Purdy converts a first down, the game yeah. is essentially over because Pat doesn't get the ball back, and you send yeah. McDuffie on a blitz. Now I've watched this play, and I haven't spoken about it on television, or I haven't spoken to Kyle about it. I thought it was interesting they had Kittle in the backfield as the blocker, and not yeah. McCaffrey, who's traditionally back there. Did that? Did that raise a red flag to you and say, okay, we've got something? What What was your thought on third and four coming out of a huge stop the play beforehand? Because if they get the first yeah. down, they bleed the clock, kick a field goal, game is over. I think that was, did Trent make that play on yeah. Kittle on a blue play? Yeah, it was a great tackle. Um, well, here's what happened, Pete. So if you remember on that play, um, 
it, there was about 220 or something or 215 mm-hmm. when they broke the huddle. So we made a call because I didn't know if he was going to let it come down to the two minute or not. And they decided to let it come down. We made a particular call. And then when it went to the two minute warning, of course, with the, with the Super Bowl, with these you timeouts. You have this big break to discuss. Big break, huge break. So that's when the wheels go like this. And so it was at that moment you look up, okay, this is really, in my mind, I said to myself, is this, is real, this is a fourth down play. This is not a third and four or five, what it was. This is critical. I had a thought. I looked at my list and I said, I need to ask Nick about this. This is the trust I have in Nick Bolton. So Nick's this. on the field. Now he can't, he can't talk to me, but I'm staring right at him. I, I click the button and I said, Nick, what do you think about this? I, all I wanted to do was see his reaction. And he just started, yes, yes, yes. And he did the signal and he was like, he was all in. And so I knew, <laughs> I knew when he was all in that we should change it to that. So change personnel and put a, a different call in. And it was a fourth down call or, or, or what we had on a fourth down list. And it was for the critical situation. And fortunately for us, you know, uh, the, our guys executed it really well. I mean, Chamari Connor, if you go back and watch it, Pete, he kind of goes back. He, at first he was a little bit confused, uh, because for the, to the point you're making, uh, about Kittle being in the backfield. But the guys unwound it, and uh, Jay Reed was critical in it. Trent was critical, and you know, and, and Trent hits Trent, that hole and comes right yeah. in. And th- yeah. does he tip the pass, or is he just he do enough? He did. He's really good at that. I mean, he, we, you know, we we're all about trying to find free runners, right? However, we can dissect it, and it's, we can't always get them. But in that play, we did. And I, you know, I I watch it, and I thought our man coverage, um, Dion Bush was in there because we had. Mm-hmm. If you watch it, I think there's eight DBs in there or something. Yeah. We only have two two linemen, and uh, it was something that we had. But Dion, I think Dion's gonna, I think Dion's gonna make a break in such a, a way that I maybe he knocks it down. So I just thought the guys, the way they played it, was they executed it perfect. And you get the ball back, and on that moment, you go to the, everyone's coming to the sidelines. Are you guys just freaking like, yes, we did it? Like we needed to make a stop, well, and we did it. Like that's got to be the coolest. You change the play call at the two minute warning. You get the play, yeah. and now you give Mahomes a chance, and you have to have the utmost confidence that oh well, this dude's gonna get it done. Well, there's no question about that. Now we'd rather not put him in that situation, <laughs> you know, because now he's got to come down and tie it. But all the confidence in the world in Patrick and uh, our guys, I think, know that. If we could have just, I think, I think early in that particular drive we're talking about, um, they hit a, they hit a, a one of their longer passes early in that drive. Now that you know we're talking about the good one, but I'm always thinking about the one that <laughs> yeah, I should yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was one, and then the one that that sticks out is the third and thirteen in overtime that we got the penalty on Trent. Yeah, holding. The, little tug yeah and and uh you know they called it so that's the way it is but it would have been nice if we could have sent patrick out yeah. there and over time right tied there. And come down. yeah and then kick a field goal but that's okay i mean it was dramatic for the public we wanted, we wanted the public to have a dramatic game with it was pretty patrick cool protest, yeah. um i i guess i my next question is you know with with that victory and you guys are are celebrating and, and the deal like did, did the players do they you're talking about McDuffie now has two Super Bowl rings in two mm. years, and Sneed's got three trips to the Super Bowl. Like, do the players yeah. recognize just how special this is? Do you think they 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 understand just how absurd it is what you guys are doing? That's that is a great question, Pete. Probably a better question for them. I I mean, you try to remind them, but in the middle of it, you know, that I mean, all the dancing in the locker room, and everybody's just enjoying the moment. I think that we all will someday, you know, be able to kick back and say, "Wow." 
Um, because look at, and here's, here's the beauty of these elite athletes. I'm talking about Patrick and Travis and Trent and LJ and all these guys and Chris Jones. Um, the minute, you know, we're in the middle of that celebration, they're talking about trying to win a third one. I, and it's just, I mean, for Patrick to, to <laughs> think of that on the field, I'm like, man, I need a break. You know, he's talking about wanting to win a third one, but isn't that the beauty of this, these elite athletes? That's how they're wired. That's how they're built. It's a good transition. Um, I went on Fox Sports 1. So usually I'm on NFL Network, but we're off for the week. And they asked me if I wanted to come on Fox Sports 1. I went on it yesterday with Nick Wright, who's a fellow Kansas City you yes. know, big fan. He's yeah. a big fan. Love he was Nick. at the parade. Nick's a great dude. Yeah, I saw him. And uh, he was at the parade and all this stuff. And we're on the show. And we're talking about Chris Jones. And I'm not going to ask you about where you think that contract and all that is. That's not your job. And you just coach the guys and you don't have to worry about yeah. that. But I said... If he never takes another snap again, I think Chris Jones is a Hall of Famer. And I'll go further. When they did the coach, the defensive player of the year voting, he didn't get a single vote. 11 mm. other players did. We're talking guys like Deron Bland and Dexter Lawrence are getting votes, but Chris Jones didn't get a single vote. I think he might be the under, the most underappreciated player of this entire Chiefs run and maybe the most underappreciated defensive player of his generation. You've coached him the whole way mm. through. Chris Jones, talk about what he brings to the table and how much he's come a long way too in the last what couple years. Where he's yeah. now a leader on this defense, which yeah. I love to see. I, his growth, uh, just even throughout this year, was just awesome to watch and see. And I told him that uh, when we had our exit interview and we talked to him a little bit. But, you know, I don't know, Pete, maybe because he's been so good and so dominant, do people just get used to it? So when it's you know, when it's only 10, only, right? When you get 10 yeah. and a half sacks, that's pretty good as an interior lineman. And yet people, I think just, I don't know, maybe, maybe the same, maybe that happens with these elite athletes, but I'm, I'm with you, Pete. Um, the year he had, the impact he has for us defensively, the things that we're able to do because we know people are going to double them, mm -hmm. you know, and you're anticipating that. And so you do other things and it opens up. For, for some of our other guys, but I mean, we love him. I hope we don't lose him. I mean, he knows that. And I think, I know he'd like to stay. We'll see what happens. You know how this yeah. league is. I mean, it's, I get it. it's one of the, yeah, it's one of the reasons during the course of this run of the playoffs that, uh, you know, and I'm a Christian guy and I, I have my prayer time, but I'm, I was always praying, just give me one more week with these guys. I just yeah. want to work with them one more week because it's going to change. It's, it's going to change. And that's the reality of it, but the relationships remain. Yeah. Um, yeah. As we turn the page, when do you kick it back up and say, okay, I'm looking at a prospect from Kansas State or TCU? I mean, <laughs> do you give yourself that grace period of, guys, can we just enjoy this for two weeks or do you get right back into combine mode? Well, the thing we got right back into was evaluating our own guys because we've got to, you know, we visit with uh, Brett Veach, who's the best. Um, and then I'll be honest with you, I have not done these last four or five days, I have not done much. This was all mm -hmm. Maria time. This was, yep. all, this was all Maria time. And when we get to Monday, I think we'll be kicking it right back into um, full mode. And, and we need to do that. We're behind a little bit. That's what happens when you do go on these long playoff runs. But uh, we'll get caught up. Two questions, and then we'll let you enjoy the last couple of days of freedom before we get back into football mode. Right, uh, yeah. You mentioned Maria, your lovely wife. And I think Chris Jones had some really cool stuff about her cooking and what she provides the team. That was the first time I'd heard that. Maybe I just am not in the Kansas yeah. City day-to-day. Um, 
chicken parm or, or was it veal parm? What was oh, it that was her specialty? Okay. You you name it, Pete. She she can cook it. She she'll she does soul food. She does everything. It's not just that Italian. I mean, she's full Italian and she's a great yeah. cook. But you know what, Pete? She loves to do it. It's her way of she'll say this all the time. It's her way of connecting with these guys and it's her way of showing her love for them. Like, I mean, everybody needs to, and these guys are all away, you know, for the most part away yeah. from home, right? They don't, they don't get home cooked meals. So we make it fun. We have what we call the cram award, you know, and the guy that has the big hit, gets the big plate of pasta and, <laughs> and she, she makes stuff on Fridays. There's always, everybody always gets, you know, either the banana pudding or some kind of cake or something on Friday. And then Saturday we give out the award, but I think the guys enjoy it. And I, we like, we love doing it too. I love it. Um, yeah. And my last one is you mentioned the head coaching stuff and I think everyone takes it for granted. Like, Oh, well, he wouldn't want it. I thought it was interesting. You said that you'd be interested in again, then to maybe become my head coach again. And I don't think it's out of the, out of the picture. Um, is that something you still aspire for? And is something is a goal or is it just, if that happened to happen, you'd be happy. You're blessed either way. Yeah. I, mean, I do feel that way. I mean, I'll answer it the same way I always do. Um, we're prideful men in this business. I mean, we want to win and we want to show that we're capable of doing things. Right. So I'm no different than a player. Would I love to do it? Yes. If, however, I, I always fall back on this, and, I, and this is the, always the follow-up. If that never happens, I'm okay with it. I, I put these things in God's hands. It's, if, his, if it's his will uh, to lead another team and young men and, and mentor and, and teach, which is what coaching is all about, then, I'm, then I'll walk right in it and full bore. If not, I'm so, I'm so blessed, Pete, <laughs> to have the job I have, to work with the guys I work with. Andy Reid, I mean, come on, you've got to be kidding me. So mm-hmm. I don't lose sleep over it. Um, uh, but the answer to the question would be, yes, I would. Uh, but if it never happens, I'm okay, too. I, I, it's a great answer. And I, I, you're at peace with it either way. And, yeah. and, and guess what? They could never take away four different Super Bowl titles from, from you. One more, you get the full five-finger treatment. <laughs> get the you, got, you got them all. You could, you could do it that yeah. way. Uh, I quickly will say, you and I, we've gotten to know each other in the last couple of years pretty well. Um, yeah. I'll never forget, you were the interim coach with the Giants, I guess after McAdoo got let go, was that what yeah, it was? Yeah, that was after Ben's. And yeah. it was yeah. Giants, Eagles, and everyone was, and it was, it was after the Wentz injury. So Eagles were coming into town, and everyone's like, "All right, we're not sure with the Eagles, but the Giants, they're done." And the yeah. way you got those Giants to fight after the coach being really, and that was a good game. And I remember the production meeting; you were so conscientious of finishing the season strong. And yeah. you were so hellbent on getting the most out of these guys. And Eli, what was his future? We don't know. He couldn't right. sing higher praises of you. I, I think that's as commendable as winning these these titles as the coordinator with this loaded Chiefs team. But like, hey, that Giants team was going nowhere. And we're playing the Eagles in week 16. And we're going to give them hell. And I love that. You know, Pete, that's a, I'm glad you brought That's a great memory. It was a hard time. It's not easy to to do the interim head coach thing in the middle of the season. It's not easy. Uh, different guys, you haven't really had time to put your spin on it. But that particular game, I thought our guys fought hard. It was, I think we we might have went for it on fourth down. Something at the end, it was really close. We could have scored and won the game. But, you know, Pete, when you were taught, when you were saying that, what jumped in my mind, it, I've been blessed with these Super Bowls, playoff runs, the whole thing. We won that that year, we beat the Washington Redskins on the last game of the season, and the game meant nothing. It meant mm-hmm. nothing to them. It meant nothing yeah. to us. But I will tell you this. I love Winning this. that game, I, I walked in that locker room. I was as excited about winning that game as any I'd been a part of, just because of what we had been through. And, yeah. and just the, the locker room celebration on, <clears throat> on any win is special. Uh, I mean, when you, it's hard to explain what it's all about, but 
guys that are in the business, players or coaches or personnel know how hard it is just to win one game in this league. And I just, I cherish that moment. I ended up with a, you know, the guys, the equipment guys got me a game ball. And that I game ball that meant nothing, right? Is as valuable to me as, as any that, uh, that I've been a part of. So thanks for bringing that up because that was, that was a special time. That's so awesome. Uh, and my last story is probably five years ago. You had just joined the Chiefs. You hadn't even coached a game with the Chiefs yet. It was combine. It was late. I went to dinner with, I'll name you the name, Joe Thomas, the offensive tackle, who is yep. now getting into TV. It was his first foray into TV. So like I was at dinner. This gentleman named Mike Mariano, who's now running Amazon's football stuff. Gentleman named Mike Connor, who's still with the NFL Network. And gentleman named Charlie Uke, who's with the NFL Network. And we go to dinner at one of the state, probably Shula's in the West End. And afterwards, because we're fat pigs, we're like, let's go get a milkshake from Steak and Shake. And we walk in and it's, empty steak and shake is empty i get a banana milkshake i'm so excited it's literally 1 a.m this is terrible for my body and soul and in walk two bodies steve spagnolo and andy reed walking in at 1 a.m and i'm so excited i'm so excited to see you what happens i spill my entire milkshake all over myself and you and andy reed are just looking at me like you freaking klutz i I remember that (laughs) hey that's to be expected that late at night in a place like that right come on that's what it is but uh you were were graceful to me then and uh you've been great to me since i appreciate these 40 minutes i can't wait to see you uh we'll hang at the combine for sure but congratulations another super bowl ring but as we've learned in this interview um it's not just the super bowls it's the entire journey and i think you appreciate that more than anybody Yeah, very much so. Pete, I appreciate you having me on. This was great, man. A lot of fun. The best. All right, guys. Thank you, Spags. Appreciate it. Congrats again. Thank you. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The youngest defense in the league, they win a Super Bowl. Uh, His fourth as a coordinator, it's the only four-time Super Bowl champion as a coordinator, and he's a hell of a guy. What'd you think of Spag there? You know, I I really wanted to dislike him. You know, the, the Bills as a Bills keep, as a Bills fan keep running into him. As soon as he jumped on the call, I was like, "This guy's he's he's great." Um, yeah, I'm really unhappy with how much I enjoyed him. 
Awesome. And like the love he has. And I, what I like is that he mentioned names like Kavika Mitchell and James Butler. And even on this defense, Mike Dana. Like these these are not household names, but you could tell the love he has for all of the players. And then when we talk about Chris Jones, of course he goes big on, you know, like I love Chris, but it was no different than he has for Leo Chanel. I love that. It's almost like egalitarian, like that they're all and, his guys. And no, no hesitation to call out his entire staff. Like, this is not yes. the first thing out of his mouth or whatever. It was like, anytime you have this kind of success, it's not a one person thing. There are so many members of the staff that help. And then his entire interview was him giving real examples of that. Like yeah. where his, the people he's working with are helping making him Communicate. better. Yeah, totally. So yeah, he was great. Um, I thought the last part of it, when he says he's a competitive guy in a competitive industry and he would love to be a head coach again is interesting. Zero head coaching interviews, not only this year, but last year as well. Um, I think the time for a guy in his 60s who's a defensive coordinator has passed in this league. And if Belichick can't get a job at 72, why would Spags get one? And then I say, screw that. Look how the young guys play for him. Look how the young guys respond to him. And, and maybe, maybe this is a great oversight that Spags didn't get head coaching interviews and maybe his head coaching career is not is not done i'm very feel very passionate about the fact that that he deserves another shot yeah i mean again as a bills fan i'd love for him to go somewhere Get out else. of the division yeah. yeah go out of the conference go coach someone else um real quick housekeeping stuff like i said good morning football we'll be on all next week this podcast i think we're gonna do it thursday morning when i'm fresh off a combine trip about to get to the combine. Maybe we'll do a little bit more of a combine preview. I'll have more stuff on these players, obviously. Um, my weekend, I am Saturday afternoon taking my son to the Harlem Globetrotters at the Madison Ooh. Square Garden. You ever seen the Globetrotters live? As a, as a young kid, yeah. Um, because, Where? you know, growing up in Connecticut, we would, uh, our basketball team, like our rec league, Every once yeah. in a while, we get to go into MSG. Was it the Trotters or was it the Wizards? I got the, and I'm not trying to knock the the Harlem Wizards, but there was like a, you know, like Oreo and Hydrox. There was a, yeah. there, there was a, there was a <laughs> Harlem Wizards yeah. that I used to always see in our town and the Harlem Wizards would come and I'd be like, oh, is it? But like, they weren't the Globetrotters. I, I'm pretty sure it was the Globetrotters. Okay. Uh, it, especially if I was, if we were coming into the city to see it. Wasn't that probably, wasn't the Wizards like the farm team? That's the travel. Maybe. I, I, they would come yeah. to Freehold, New Jersey. The Globetrotters weren't coming to Freehold, New yeah. Jersey. I think we saw the Globetrotters. I'm pretty I have sure. a vague memory. And I got to ask my friend Ryan if this is true. When we were in elementary school, this is not a vague. We had Freehold Township, which was the town I grew up in. Then there was Freehold Borough. And at the Freehold Borough High School, this must have been 1989, 1990, the New York Giants, with O.J. Anderson and Stephen Baker, like the Super Bowl champion Giants in 1990, came and played either the high school like faculty or they played the the Wizards or they played the Jets. Like I have this vague memory of like a football team coming to our hometown. That would never happen today. A football team playing against your school faculty? Sounds, I think so. That sounds like a mess. <laughs> I have to look back on this. Like that stuff kind of happened back then. Like, could you imagine like the Chiefs going to play against the, you know, 
the 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 Kansas City High School science teacher. I I that's that's a memory I have to go check in on. But like the Harlem Wizards were who we got. I've never seen the Globetrotters live. My son is into it. Going to the garden. And then I have one of the coolest deals because I've been on this Chiefs bandwagon. And because I uh have done the big slick charity function. I've become kind of embedded in this Kansas City celebrity world. We've had Paul Rudd on the podcast. We've had Eric Stone Street. Well, I have never asked anything of any of these people. I finally asked for a favor, and it was to Heidi Gardner, Saturday Night Live cast member. She's fantastic in that movie Hustle with Adam Sandler. She's got commercials now. I think Heidi's one of the funniest. Well, she lives in Brooklyn. And I have her number because we did the Big Slick tournament, uh, Big Slick charity function, and she and I were at Children's Mercy Hospital visiting kids, and we hit it off. Friend, friend, you know, through the Chiefs stuff, but also just love that she's in Brooklyn. And I finally sent the text. Is there any way I can get a ticket for Saturday Night Live this week? I'm a huge Shane Gillis fan. He's hosting SNL. And I get the email yesterday on Wednesday afternoon. Here's your ticket. Saturday Night Live. Arrive at 10 p.m. Eastern. Come to SNL. Uh, I will be there for 21 Savage and Shane Gillis at 30 Rock on Saturday night. Do I go to the after party? I'd like to. I'd see if I could stay awake. I will have a big day of Harlem Globetrotters earlier in the afternoon. Eh? <laughs> I, I'd like to imagine you like for some reason, you know, you get pulled onto the court with the Globetrotters and, and you're playing with them. Okay. And then that night you're like, you're regaling people at the SNL after party with like, well, you know, actually earlier today I was playing against yeah. the Globetrotters. And I was thinking more, more likely, um, I won't get on the court with the Globetrotters, but I always love it at the end of SNL where like they'll have like other people show up on stage. I'd be like, here's Billie Eilish, but also Alec Baldwin showed up and oh, Maya Rudolph stopped by. Yeah. That I could just, I'm not going to be invited to come on. I'm just going to walk on stage and I'm going to be in that finally. And I'll be, I'll be hugging 21 Savage. Um, I'm trying to think of who, do you think like they'll, like, cause 21 Savage could have guest artists on. Um, sure. Shane the could, could have could have some, you know, comedian friends that are just jumping in. Yeah. Like, is there anyone in either of their New York circles that you think will be a surprise guest who will be there? That's always a cool thing, too. Like, I, I don't know the Gillis like. All right. So if you're not familiar, Shane Gillis is the stand up comedian who's been crushing it. He was hired by SNL in 2018. He was fired by SNL when some old stuff came up from his old podcasts uh, that they fired him. Now, he has since come around and he's been from what they say he and Lauren Michaels have hit up a friendship he has been to various tapings he has spoken to all the cast members and he's doing it all now and it's like you know you could cancel people and then at the end of the day like it, people could be redeemed and in this case Shane is, is this is like the full circle moment he's coming back as the host after being fired as a cast member um and I don't know if his like like to me, Shane Gillis's buddies, and we talked about it with Dan Soder, like Christian McCaffrey and Gabe Davis and Burt Kreischer. I don't think it's like Daniel Day Lewis is coming out. So I'm right. not sure what kind of, you know, level of celebrity you're expecting. I, I'm going because I'm a Shane Gillis fan and I've always obviously been a historian of SNL um, and love it. And I can't wait to be there. Uh, but I don't, I don't think Shane Gillis is, you know, I, I don't think Ethan Hawke or, you know, you name it, Julia Louis Dreyfus is coming out to to see Shane Gillis. 
I do really hope though that CMC or Gabe Davis show up and you're at the after party with them and like no one knows who Gabe Davis is and you're like, wait a minute, we got to talk about, you know, the fourth and long. And yeah, Yeah. that would be very funny. Yeah. Um, I do Um, one question for you, Peter. Uh, There was one problem I had with the guest interview. You got a banana milkshake? Yeah. What a weird order, right? Yeah. I've never been to Steak and Shake and that's not some great crime. I grew up in New Jersey, New York. They don't have it. And it's like, they have like a thousand flavors. And for whatever reason, oh. banana and cream sung to me. <clears throat> hey, I had a banana this morning. I love banana. I just, I I, I'm too. thinking like, if it's a milkshake late at night, I'm probably just going chocolate. Chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went banana and it spilled <laughs> all over me. Yeah, and... so you still don't even know how it was. But how about that? Andy Reid at one in the morning yeah. comes walking in and you know has a cheeseburger at one in the morning from steak and shake i love it uh aaron great pod good one this one's gonna break all the records uh i'll see you next week i hopefully will have a full notebook i keep on saying that term i'm gonna fill the notebook i'll have lots of stories and hopefully i can share them here on the podcast thanks to everyone who listens uh on behalf of aaron jason english uh my man, John Sykes over at iHeart. That's my dog now. He runs iHeart. We met at the Super Bowl. That's my dog, John Sykes, if you're listening. Love you, bro. Uh, to everybody else back uh, listening, enjoy the combine. Uh, we'll have plenty of stories. And remember, it is an art and a science. Till next time. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.